friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Okay, okay, so it's not like the Jays and their 670 days. But Tim and friends are back after a three-week hiatus for the Olympics and the National Bank Open. Just in case you've forgotten, the bald dude with glasses. My name's Tim McAuliffe, and with me as he was for the first 100 shows without a single absence is our digital producer, Jesse Rubinoff. What up, Jesse? I know you didn't get the full three weeks off. You were pimping highlights on Sportsnet Central, but I hope I hope you got some time to take a couple of deep breaths. Timmy, I was burning the midnight oil while you had your feet up poolside <laughs> yeah. for three weeks. Yeah. I was grinding doing yeah. highlights on Central, you know. Just kidding. I only work three days. It's all good. <laughs> right. It's all good. I had some time, Timmy. Went so to Quebec. Oh, Went nice. to Quebec for four days. Quebec just City. Just Sebi. La uh, Ville de Quebec. No, no, no. Montreal. Oh. Bay St. Oh, Paul. Oh, you toured. Went to a fromagerie. There you go. Yeah, yeah you said it better than you said it about five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Quebec City. Yeah, it was great. I mean, one silver lining from, from COVID, there are not many. Right. But one is that I think a lot of Canadians have been, been able to explore yes. Canada. When yeah. otherwise you would have gone elsewhere. Yeah. And, and that was really fun for me because I had never been to Quebec City or Bay St. Paul and it was awesome. Right. We are we are staying local as it were. I went to Niagara Falls. Yeah. And there were more French-speaking people in Niagara Falls than there were. There you in, go. Yeah. It was unbelievable how many, uh, what I assumed to be Quebecois, were in um, I, I, can, I think I can tell the accent, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think you're pretty good. You did translate an entire press conference. So I, I did, think you can I identify once, that. Yeah. And I played a little golf along the way. Nice. Got out. You know, I don't get out to play golf of very course. often anymore with two kids and the sports and the yeah, things. You were, you were the, telling me that earlier. And I suck, but uh, it was fun to get out and play some golf. And I uh, watched a lot of U11 baseball and nine ten-year-old girls soccer. Right. And how are they playing? In. Because we, we usually, you know, we don't do this on the air often, but Not I, I kind of get the synopsis of how things are going. If you're asking about my golf playing. game, is awful. <laughs> my golf game sucks. Like, it is. T- and I usually don't care. Like, I, my dad once turned to me when I was playing with my father at, uh-huh. like, 17. And he goes, you know you're not good enough to get mad. Yeah. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, damn, he's right. <laughs> but then you have one good shot. And I know you had it. I know you probably had that one shot where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'm not that bad. And maybe I'm going to come out next week and I'm going to put it all together. No, I'm going to drives, irons, no, chipping, No, no, but I know, I know enough to know that you got to play enough to be good. Right. Like that's I'm I'm at that level in mm. golf, but I also know that I'm just garbage. <laughs> so there's this balance in between the two. And so I, I played two rounds one of them was best ball thank god the other one was my own ball and it was ugly right well yeah i mean that that can be ugly and i bet you that that tournament took a little bit longer like that round that second round <laughs> yeah, where everyone was playing longer. their own ball yeah oh, that one's like a five hour round the first one's a little three and a half four yeah. as yeah. for the kids they're having fun and it was great to be able to go i know uh like i try and be a good dad it doesn't mean i am a good dad but i really try <laughs> hard to be a good dad and being able to go to their games from the start right was very cool for me i was able to like i usually because the show goes to 7 p.m eastern time and my kids are young i don't get there for the start of anything 
Like I end up pulling in in like the fifth inning or I pull in and the, the game's just about to end. And you got to ask another parent, like, yeah. what, what's going hey, on? What's, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get the stat line, the RBI count, no errors. It's all good. So it was, uh, was kind of nice to do that. So the, the stay at home, I feel like, honestly, like, and I know a lot of people like to bitch and moan because people like to bitch and moan. No kidding, yeah. Um, but I feel like the pandemic has kind of reaffirmed a lot of things that I wanted to have in life, which was family, mm-hmm. stay close to home, make sure your friends are close to you. And in the world before the pandemic, you know, we all drove to all of the things that we needed to do. And then we flew down south and we did all these things. And, you know, like just having your friends in the backyard again is something very bleeping cool. And I feel like we got back to that point. And I know, listen, it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And it's been uh, even harder for people without a backyard or people that don't have. But I feel like we've gotten back a little bit to what matters most. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I actually believe that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a slower pace. Obviously, not for everybody. There are people working working their tails off during this entire thing, without a doubt. But for... Us right now, I think, especially those three weeks, just a little bit of a slower pace, kind of connect yeah. with family again, connect with friends. It was awesome to have. Well-deserved. 100 shows. 100 shows. You deserve be, a little time off. Let's be honest. There's also a lot of people sitting on their ass collecting serve right now. <laughs> yes. Right? $2,000. Well, I'll take that. Yeah. Do yeah. You wanna, hey, top we, shots. Can we get laborers? Nope. Because <laughs> they're all sitting at home on their ass. So uh, there's a balance, obviously. And I know I'm going to take some heat for what I just said, but <laughs> let's be all let's be honest. We all know what's happening right now, so I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, but I, I do even think that those sitting on their ass at home haven't been able to do what they've done in the past and have been forced to kind of get back to the things that really matter in life, yeah. friends and family, and then hopefully we can add travel to that soon. Beautifully said. All right, to quote a great poet, we are back like Jordan wearing the 4-5. It ain't to play games with you, but it is to discuss the games with you. That great poet, of course, Jay-Z, or as he's known in Canada, Jay-Z. Now, our last show was the day of the Tokyo Games opening ceremonies. So all we missed, Jesse, was, I don't know, Jay's deadline and the deal for Jose Barrios. Okay. You know, Jay's returning home after 670 days. Uh, Lowry leaving, Masai signing. The Raptors taking Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs, NBA free agency. A Russell Westbrook deal, NHL free agency, a Seth Jones deal, an Ethan Bear deal, a Nate Schmidt deal, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury deal. The Ekman-Larsen deal was basically the last thing that we did before we bleeped off. Oh, yeah, there's also the return of football both north and south of the border. And, oh, yeah, one of the greatest Olympics in Canadian history. Holy shnikes. <laughs> we missed a lot. Now, back in the day, in some sort of uh, feeble attempt to cover all that, I would have crafted some sort of 30-minute monologue that probably would have been more confusing than why Liam Neeson's character in Taken would ever have taken his eyes off his family. I mean, they made three of those bleeping things, Jesse. Three of them. I have a particular set of skills. Yeah, apparently parenting isn't one of those skills, Liam. So instead of letting me have at it, we decided to let you and Jesse point the way with the question of the day Mm -hmm. out there on Twitter and Instagram. We missed a lot over the last three weeks. What's the one thing 
that we have to address today? Be specific. Jesse, how have the responses been thus far? Well, David on Twitter Mm -hmm. asks, why do your producers have to ask us? It's their job to put a show forward (laughs) and our job to sit back and enjoy your professional sports broadcasting we have become accustomed to. And they had three weeks off too. We're all, we're leaning back into this one. Okay, David. Oh, we want to, it's a democracy on the show. We want you to tell us what you would like to hear. I mean, Uncle Timmy's takes, you missed missed his his takes for three weeks. So, you know, we're going to have a couple coming out of the gate here. All right, so be specific. Uh, we'll get to as much as we can. And first things first, uh, our digital producer over there will comb through mm. a lot of these to craft questions, follow-ups maybe to the questions. And uh, we're also going to have a couple of guests joining the fray in the second hour. Ooh. Longtime friend Dan Schulman on the Jays and life without George Springer, which hopefully for Toronto fans isn't that long. And Canada basketball, Raptors head coach, Nick Nurse is joining me in studio, and you're going to want to stick around for this. We have a special announcement coming up with the head coach of Canada Basketball and the Toronto Raptors. That's all coming up in the next hour. But let's kick off the festivities, as we always do, Mm. with Jesse, Biggie, and First Things First. First Things First. First. Timmy? Do you remember how to do this? (laughs) Might have to shake off a little <laughs> rust, but uh, from Biggie to Kelly Clarkson, you mentioned it. What? We've missed a lot since you've been gone. I've been here <laughs> since you've been gone. Right. Right. I've never heard that sentence before, from Biggie to Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Were you dancing again? Do you uh, yes, like sir. becoming a gym? Like, what a, are you doing a, over there? Yeah, shout out, Brian. I know that's going to become... <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what this move was. This is by like three... I got to shake off the rust with my dancing, too. Okay. Let's go to... Since you've been gone. Let's go to the Olympics. Want to start there? Let's start there. Right, because cool. you said it. Opening ceremonies. Literally the day we were off the air. Yeah. And a lot happened. Yeah, a lot happened. A, little happened, a yeah. record-setting performance for Canada. Uh, what was the most impressive part of the Canadian performance in Tokyo? You know, I, I, I wrote down a couple of notes here. and I, was mm-hmm. like, I know Canada won 24 medals, most ever, at a non-boycotted Summer Olympics, and that was the headline. But with all the sports that they do now, we should set a record. Every, like, they add 10 sports every Olympics, <laughs> and we should add a new record every time. That's the politically correct answer. The real answer is the sports that Canada meddled in and the depth of field in those events were remarkably impressive. Like Maggie McNeil and Penny Alexiak in the pool. Damian Warner in the decathlon. The women's soccer tournament is the best in the world mm-hmm. playing for gold. The 100 200, 4 by 100 might have the deepest talent pool of any sport on planet Earth. Like, every country has someone that runs fast, and they race against other people who run fast. And we're winning these events with swagger and confidence. And that's what I got most from this summer games. Like, I remember back when when Donovan Bailey... Uh, called Michael Johnson a chicken in the 150 meters down at Skydome. Yeah, was- and people got mad at him. There was a there was a certain group of of very 
refined Canadians who were upset with the way that he challenged Michael Johnson, calling it un-Canadian-like. And I feel like that moment and Donovan Bailey ushered in a new type of Canadian athlete mm. that was no longer just happy to be there. And I feel like we saw that. Like Penny Alexiak after um, a medley medal said, like, we're just getting started here. Andre de Grasse and Aaron Brown were just happy to be in finals. They were there to win. And Christine Sinclair and the women's soccer team may have perfectly exemplified what I'm talking about. Like, Christine Sinclair in the media is dignified, classy, a great leader. She's not there to win bronze or silver. She's a killer on the pitch, and that transferred to the team. And while a lot of Canada would have been happy with bronze again, they weren't there to win bronze. And I thought that they exemplified this newfound, we're here to compete from Canada. Did you see the same thing? Oh, without a doubt. And I think you actually pointed out, I think it was after one of the Andre de Grasse races, you tweeted out something that really resonated with me. And it was, think about how difficult it is to perform at that level on that specific day in that specific moment. Yeah. And not to take away anything from Canadians in the past, but it felt like in this Olympics that as a group, everybody was able to rise to the occasion in that moment. And, and that is like very, very difficult to do. Yeah. Very difficult. Like if you're a, a professional athlete in, in a different frame of mind, like you're a, you're a hockey player, you're a basketball player, a baseball player, you get to go at it again right. the next day. Think about baseball. You get to do it again the next day. But in the Olympics, all the lights are on you. It's that one moment, and with the soccer team in that penalty kicks, with Andre de Grasse in the 200 meter, with Damian Warner in all 10 of the events that he has to do, <laughs> yes. the ability to rise to the occasion, I thought, was something that you pointed out and something that I really took away from, from the Olympics. And think about, like, not even the next day. Like, they had to wait five years for this. Now, the women's soccer team has a World Cup, and I, I, I will admit that. So every two years, right, like, mm -hmm. to get an opportunity to compete at the very highest level. Andre de Grasse waited five years. Aaron Brown, everyone who is in an event that is, that is strictly kind of an Olympics or bust, mm -hmm. waited five years for their opportunity. Penny Alexiak took time off so that she would be ready for things like this. Like performing in that moment, I believe to be one of the toughest things that any athlete can do. And we've seen it in the past. We've seen it where you get best on best in a tournament and an American basketball team will lose because on any given day, anything can happen. And for Andre de Grasse to go six for six in the Olympic events Ostrich. that he has entered in a, in a field that is as deep as, you know, sprints where ever, like men's sprinting has to be the deepest pool of any sport on planet Earth, right? No question. <laughs> okay, here's a bit and of a hot six for six. Here's a bit of a hot take for you. Tell me if you agree with this. So Andre Graz wins the 200 meter, and it was amazing to watch. Incredibly fast, obviously fastest in the world in 200 meters. Where I was like, holy smokes, this guy's fast, was in the relay, oh, the closing leg, yeah. and I'm sitting there watching it on TV, 
And you're, you're not really expecting them to meddle. You're like, well, well, they're out of it. It's basically done. And then he gets the baton, and it's a lightning bolt. He's gone. And that was a, not the first time because I had seen him win the 200 meters and I'd see him do well in the 100 meters. But I could not believe how fast he was in that moment to get the bronze. I wish I had have asked for this before the show, and I apologize to the producers who were off for But I, there's a side-by-side <laughs> of him getting the baton for the final leg and where he finished the race, yeah. it's unbelievable the ground that he, he closed. He like, I'm, I'm with you. That final leg was as impressive. I, like, I want to swear again. And I've done the bleep <laughs> a bunch of times. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, it's like shot out of a cannon. I, I couldn't believe it. That was a, a jaw-dropping moment for me in an Olympics that had a lot of jaw-dropping. And you mentioned, you mentioned Damian Warner and... I don't know if the decathlon necessarily gets the respect that it deserves. Maybe nowadays he, he was the flag bearer in the closing ceremonies. Yeah. But you're talking about a guy who um, has 10 events that he's got to perform at and is now crowned the world's greatest athlete. Imagine having that title, the world's greatest athlete, where he's putting together times. I wrote it down. He had a time of 10.12 seconds. Tying his own record in the 100 meter in the 100 dash. Meter, yeah. 8.23 meters in the long jump that would have won bronze yeah. in the individual event. Yeah. This is one person doing 10 different events. Yeah. And the long jump, those guys and gals, what they do is they practice nonstop for one event. Right. Damian Warner has to concern himself with 10, and he would have walked away with the bronze medal. So, And hold on, don't stop there. Where did he train during the pandemic? A hockey arena with no heat in London, Ontario. They jimmy-rigged an arena in London where he was throwing, like, javelin and discus Mm. into basically tarps that they had to replace every three days because they were tearing the bleep out of it. Like, remember when when we were talking about politicians glad-handing the Mm -hmm. Olympians? Yep. And how they were going to come smiling and standing beside all these athletes when the road that they had to hoe to get there. Damian Warner might be, like everyone else, most of the world, were training in their normal spots. And this guy had to go to a hockey arena in London, shout out the entire community and him for figuring that out and then doing what he did. So he's he's long jumping where... Seb's son's taking slap shots normally, right? Like, and, and that's how he trained for the Olympics. Uh, that deserves. And before we move on, because I, I know we've got a bunch of things lined up and people are tweeting in right now what they want us to talk about, a tip of the cap to the women. And for the, for the first two weeks of the entire games, um, it, the story was Canadian women oh, yeah. getting it done. And so for the Canadian women... And, and also for the people who have worked really hard to afford women opportunities in sports in this country. And as you know, U Sports, CIS, whatever you want. Canadian University Athletics is near and dear to my heart. And I have sat around uh, meetings. I've sat around awards ceremonies. I've sat around AD athletic directors. I've sat around coaches who have fought really hard to afford women opportunities like men get in this country to play sports 
and to operate within athletics. And I thought what we saw in these games was that opportunity that that it's not quite equal representation yet, at least in the opportunity, mm-hmm. in the results. It, was, it wasn't equal representation either because the women more than held their ground. But the people who worked really hard to afford women in this country, and you can look around the world, the same is not said in many different countries around the world. But here in Canada, it's getting better and better. And I just wanted to tip my cap quickly to all of the people who worked really hard to make that possible for women's sports and to make it possible in that moment to be able to celebrate it because it doesn't just happen like this. No. It happens after years and years and years of trailblazing. And I saw it up close and personal with a lot of U Sports athletics. And I thought that I saw that pay dividends in these games and games before it. And I just wanted to make sure that those people got their due. For sure. I'm thinking just the joy that those Canadian women brought this entire country oh. for those two weeks. Yeah. It, it was just pure and utter domination, really. We're not done with the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, later this week, we're off Wednesday because the Jays play an afternoon game. But on mm-hmm. Thursday, uh, we have got Christine Sinclair, the GOAT, is going to join us on the show. And what a great way for her to conclude, what, her fourth Olympiad and five World Cups for a bunch of different Olympiads. She's never stop playing, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Andre DeGrasse also scheduled to join us. Within the week, I'm thinking that it's going to be Thursday, but we first talked to him at USC and to see him wearing that gold medal around his neck, awesome. So we've got a bunch of things lined up for the rest of the week. Okay, I know we'll have to break. Uh, I just want to rifle through just two quick tweets here. Uh, Cody says, I'm so happy Tim and Friends is back, been in withdrawals. So that's for it's good. Appreciate uh, you, it, you like, Cody. You like to hear the support in the first block. Maybe uh, we're not as rusty as we, we may think we are. Uh, PJ says... We asked, you know, what do you want us to talk about? PJ says, Dr. Kyle Lowry's legacy. Mm. And we will have Raptors discussion coming up. Uh, Yeah, Nick Nurse is going to join us uh, later on in the show. And I think after next break we go. All right, so Nick Nurse to discuss all thing Raptors and Canada basketball. He's bringing with him an announcement that you're going to want to (laughs) hear. Quote Gary Patman. Plus, Dan Shulman as the Jays enjoy an off day after a bit of a rough weekend in Seattle. Plus, up next, we dive back into the biggest stories from the past three weeks in sports. We're back. We're glad you're back along for the ride. It's Monday. It's Tim and Friends. Let's go! Once he made the birdie at 16, Doug Barron just took control. Oh, that's a celebration, Lanny. That's something. That boy's excited. I mean, Steve beat me all day. It's just the facts. I just went and took it. Let's go. We're going to Hawaii, baby. Hey, man, I got blood all over me. I don't know what I did, so we're there. Say Oscar gets into one. Left center field, and it is gone. Richick sits on a fastball, drives it to deep left, and it's going to go. Dickerson drives the ball to right field, and he got it all. Now Marcus Simeon, first pitch swinging. The fourth home run of the ball game for the Blue Jays. The lead is 8-3. to three. This 
is Tim and friends. Yes. Hello again. Back after a three week hiatus and we, uh, we decided to ask you to program our first show, much to the dismay of David, who said our producers <laughs> should be doing that. But wait, listen, this is your show. We're trying to ask you for help so that you feel like you're involved. Otherwise, we'll just kind of paint over things very quickly. Jesse, what do the tweets say? Uh, BL says, watching Tim and friends from my bed here in Scotland. Pumped to have the show back for my nighttime routine. What? I just found out they're about five hours ahead in Scotland. Uh, so it is nighttime, in fact. There, well, it's evening here. And uh, Chris says, as you talk about Warner and all he went through to train, the sacrifice, the dedication, love the shot of the cameraman, Sebi, just chilling. One hand <laughs> working on the camera and the other on the ledge. <laughs> hey, don't forget how Tandy is, too. Hashtag chillaxing. <laughs> He's got a nice little tango. He's got to right work now. his way back from vacation, too. All right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, That's our dedication. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Hobby Ball <laughs> Hobby Ball says, uh, surprise you didn't start off with the Austin Matthews surgery. Hashtag Leafs suck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Al- already ripping yeah. the Toronto bias on a show where we haven't brought block. up. One block. Toronto. We didn't say anything about the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, nothing about the Leafs. Well, I guess we brought up the Jays. <laughs> and Chris right. says, uh, Miami Tim back on the box makes for a delightful <laughs> evening in Halifax. I, uh, I walked Blazing. into the studio and uh, James Sharp, old school uh, score employee, mm. does some stuff with, uh, he's an old school basketball head too. And he goes, Tim, you look like Roy Williams today. What are you doing? <laughs> you know what? I actually do. Tar Heel Blue? Yeah, a little yeah, Tar Heel really Blue. Good. I, like I got that. the University Blue Jays on. Blue like, bracelet to match, yeah, too. Blue Love bracelet it. to match. Yeah, that, that means I passed COVID protocol today. Yeah. Okay, speaking of uh, <laughs> Miami and yes. speaking of basketball, shall we address the uh, elephant oh. in the room? Yes, we shall. Um, let's Before we get to Lowry, let's do uh, the Summer League because the Raptors will close out the schedule tomorrow against the Nets after a busy couple of weeks for the franchise. They surprised many by taking Scotty Barnes with the fourth overall pick in last month's draft then said goodbye to the greatest player in franchise history as Kyle Lowry went to Miami in a sign-and-trade for Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. And the Raptors signed team president Masai Ujiri to a contract extension that we said he was the uh, biggest free agent in franchise history, I think is how we coined it before we left. Many fans, though, were underwhelmed by the Raptors' moves. How would you, Timmy, rate their offseason so far? Okay, listen, we knew going into the offseason that Kyle Lowry was gone, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was, what, 80%, 20% chance that he was going to leave the Toronto Raptors with the numbers that were being floated around for Lowry, and he ended up getting those numbers in Miami. A lot of people were upset that they went Barnes over Suggs. We'll walk down that road. And then the Masai Ujiri signing helps the team but doesn't help the fans satisfy what they want going into this year right now because it's not a piece on the team, but it is a very valuable piece. So I understand where the dismay comes from, but I think you need to give the Raptors the benefit of the doubt here, especially on the Scotty Barnes selection. That, to me, is mystifying how much heat they took over a guy that you fell in love with because you watched a couple of Gonzaga games this year. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You just hit the nail on the head there. Like, I I firmly believe that 80% of Raptor fans just wanted the more high-profile guy or the one that the so-called experts say that they should have taken in that spot, even though we will go back on every draft 
one after another and point to what the experts said you should take and swung and missed, right? Like, how many guys do we have? Steph, where he was taken. Giannis, where he was taken. Even the Raptors getting Pascal Siakam, where he was taken. Like, I thought that the Raptors had earned the benefit of the doubt on selecting players in the draft, given their track record in the spot. But apparently that's not the case because you watched Gonzaga play a couple of games. <laughs> I'm not saying that Scotty Barnes is going to be better than Jalen Suggs is. What I'm saying is you need to give the Raptors, given their track record, a little benefit of the doubt here on Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. Two, two takeaways for me on that one. Uh, it seems very much so like the Raptors have a type in who they like to select. Without in, a in the doubt. Draft, right? So you look at these guys. Now you have Siakam, OG, uh, even Precious Achua coming up in, the, within, in a trade, yeah. uh, Scotty Barnes, all versatile guys. That It's basically becoming a positionless league. Right. Versatile and length. Versatile, like big, long guys. Right. Um, and another thing that, that underscores to me with these, this selection was Malachi Flynn is having himself a summer league here, and the Raptors – probably had an idea that Malachi was ready to take another step forward, knowing they had Fred Van Vliet still on the team. Obviously, he'll be the starter. But Malachi Flynn's showing out a little bit in the summer league, and bringing in Jalen Suggs kind of clogs up the backcourt a little bit, whereas now, when you look at this Raptors team, you have a lot of long, athletic guys. They're going to be very difficult to play against, going to be very good defensively, you would think, based on the, the raw attributes that these guys have. Uh, so that was really what I took away from it. It was Malachi... The Raptors must have confidence in him, and the front office definitely has a type. The the amount of disrespect for Fred Van Vliet that I saw in the responses, like I called, I don't do this often mm -hmm. because I feel like um, 90% of the time Twitter is a cesspool and I shouldn't take the time. But I felt like there were actual fans of the Toronto Raptors saying, well, if you knew Lowry's going to leave, you don't have a point guard. Fred Van Vliet is your yeah. point guard. Like, I know he played off the ball. The reason why he played off the ball was he was too good to sit on the bench. So they figured out a way to make him a two-guard when, in fact, he is your point guard. And you can play him in tandem with Malachi, and you can bring Malachi off the bench. Oh, by the way, Nick Nurse is going to join us in the second hour. We will actually ask him about all of these things and talk some Canada basketball with him. So... For me, the Scotty Barnes selection, yes, it came a little out of the blue, but like I, I, John Hollinger was on No Dunks before the draft saying that he thought that Scotty Barnes had a higher upside than Cade Cunningham, <laughs> right? Before the draft. Now, I'm not saying John Hollinger, know, no, I'm not saying he knows everything, but to act like it was out of the blue is just. You, I, I know most people said Jalen Suggs in that spot, but there is there is a Scotty Barnes train, and I believe that this Raptors organization and brass have earned the benefit of the doubt on that. As for Kyle Lowry leaving for Miami, I, I just thought it was a fait accompli. And I, maybe there are those. I will listen to those saying, if he was going to go, you should have got something for him. In the end, they did get they did. probably what they would have gotten last year for Kyle Lowry or something in the like. And so I'm okay with the way it broke down. And 
without a doubt, Kyle Lowry will go down as the GOAT. He will be the greatest Raptor of all time. He will get the statue. And I love the story of little bulldog who couldn't get along with any other coach or organization, finding his groove, being called a loser, and then getting Kawhi Leonard and turning into the epitome of a winner. Like that to me is like whenever I discuss, oh, this reputation, and I say you aren't until you are, Mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry should be implanted in the back of everyone's mind. Because south, north of the border, he was the guy, along with DeMar DeRozan, that couldn't get it done. And then you add Kawhi, and now he's going to Miami as the epitome of a winner. It's how quickly the narratives can change. Kyle did say in his Miami Heat availability, not looking forward to coming back to Toronto because the emotions will just be pouring out, and that will be oh. a sight to behold, no doubt. I, I hope I hope that when they come back, it's full capacity at Scotiabank oh. Arena because the standing ovation will be unbelievable for Kyle Lowry. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Um, how about those Toronto Blue Jays, Timmy? We yes. Missed, we missed a little bit. We missed a little bit. They're off today after avoiding a sweep in Seattle with an 8-3 win on Sunday. George Springer didn't play after spraining his left ankle on Saturday, and he couldn't miss the upcoming two-game series in Washington. So here we stand, 45 games left in the season. How do we feel about the Blue Jays' playoff chances, Timmy? Loaded question. Loaded question. We're coming out of the gate hot today. I I feel like they still are who we thought they were. And that is good but not great. I feel like when they face the better teams, you get an idea of what exactly they are. And that is good but not great. Now, good could get you into the playoffs. And here's why... I talk about good and bad and where the Jays lie because it's going to get real interesting. If you just look at the standings, it would be hard-pressed to see the Toronto Blue Jays make the postseason. However, if I give you some of these notes, Jesse, it may change your mind. Mm. 11 of their next 15 come against sub-500 teams. So they can make a little bit of a run here. They have 10 games remaining against Baltimore. Since August 1st, the Orioles are the worst team in baseball. They're 1-12. They're allowing 8.5 runs per game and scoring less than 3.5. That's a 5-run differential in 13 games. And of the Jays' final 43 home games, or 43 games, 26 of them are at home. And let me remind you, <laughs> they are 9-2 at their true home at the Rogers Center in Toronto. And when they left the Rogers Center, there were 2015 vibes beginning to percolate. Like the whole deadline, Berrios, the great first game at home where they run out under the flags and and celebrate Charlie's getting teary-eyed. Charlie's getting emotional. Home plate ladies out there throwing the first pitch as home plate lady, not Blue Jays Nona as we know her on this show. How It just... All those tw- – don't let Seattle change that. Going to play some tough teams here too. The White Sox are going to be in town. They are as good as anyone in baseball right now. I'll just say this. If you look at the schedule, it cues up pretty nice. They'll need George Springer to be healthy, 
and it looks as though they've kind of escaped any major injury, at least mm-hmm. according to the initial reports. He was so player. hot, too. It's just such a bad injury. It's such Remarkably a bad time. Remarkably hot. Yeah. But when they left, again, the narrative changes quickly. When they left Toronto, where they will play 26 of their last 43, everything felt 2015 all over mm-hmm. again. And I'm not going to let that squeak out just as yet. Though, I wish they added a couple more arms yeah. at the deadline because I think you're starting. Mazes on his way back. There are a couple of things that should. I don't know what Simber is going to be. He struggled a little bit of late. But I think this is a playoff team I- in the American League. It's a wild card team, and then you get a full year of Berrios next year, and you have the offseason. Hand, I think, can be better. I think can be better. There's, there's a bunch of things around this team that will lead towards a good finish here and then next year. One of the problems that they're running into right now is that the teams that they're chasing aren't losing. The Red no. Sox were a disaster there for a while. They've seemed to turn the ship around. The Yankees they aren't playing. Yankees again. have lost five times since July 27th. Oakland's won 8 of 10. So when you get this late in the season, that's sort of the issue that you run up against. There's a lot of teams separating them. There's four and a half back of the wild card. But you're going to have to go on a pretty significant run here. It's going to have to be something yeah, Those like- teams are going to start playing each other too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like all those games against Baltimore come has division games, and they save those Yankees-Red Sox games for TV purposes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they're going to have to start playing each other here. So we're going to see the Rays, like the Jays have done the bulk of their heavy lifting against those teams. I think we were pretty consistent the whole way through, the whole season really, than thinking that the Jays are right there. And if they add some arms, they're really right there. Yeah. And that's basically where we stand right now. I think Ben Nicholson-Smith on the Adler Letters podcast said that he thinks the Jays are the most talented team in the division. And you're going to have to go on a run, but when you're working from that talent base... Good things can happen, especially when you have the schedule that you have upcoming and you're playing teams that you are chasing. What worries me a little bit is a run differential, and that comes from having a really good offense and the the inability to close out close games. And that's that's why that run differential is so impressive, but it also tells you a little bit about what we're seeing there and that they might not have enough arms to compete with the best teams in baseball. But I still think that gets you a wild card. Totally agree. Completely agree. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, coming up later, Dan Schulman. He's going to talk about a little basketball, a little baseball. We'll sprinkle with Danny Schulman. But coming up next, some football talk. Yes, the season underway. North of the border, south of the border. They're just getting preseason underway. Your feedback and suggestions next. Tim and friends, it's your show. It's Tim and Friends, and the friends coming up on this edition are first in three weeks. Nick Nurse at the top of the hour discuss Canada basketball, the Toronto Raptors, and a bit of an announcement from the head coach of both our men's national team and the Toronto Raptors coming up in mere moments from now. And good old friend Danny Showman will drop by. We may discuss that announcement and a little Toronto Blue Jays. Meantime, between time, we are kind of catching up on the three weeks that we had off, Jesse Rubinoff, digital producer, helping us out. Yeah, we tweeted out earlier. We missed a lot over the past three weeks. What's the one thing we have to address today? Caleb says those clean shoes Timmy has on. I know we got the look. We got the look at the Roy Williams top, but I'm not sure <laughs> anybody's seen the shoes 
at the moment, and they yeah, are I've, matching. I think I've kind you of got to point uh, that out. I kind of I'll, I'll I'll show them off a little. Yeah, right. I mean that's I don't have pretty uh, cool. And for Pretty those who cool. for those who want to write in, listen, I'm 45. Come after me, I'm a man. Mm. Uh, for those who want to write in and say you can't wear sh- dress sh- or running shoes with a suit or dress pants, uh, it's not 1985 anymore. Wrong. Okay, it's you're allowed to. There are new rules. It's okay. It's a pandemic. We're not really worried about the dress shoes. No, you just you just heard it. You made the rules. Yeah. The, you just made the rules. The rule preemptive out. strike on the old man saying, what's he doing wearing running shoes with his suit? They can't match? We don't do that. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, one more. Uh, I think this is in reference to what you said about the Raptors. Uh, Evain says, as my son just said, the Toronto sportscasters mantra, just give them the benefit of the doubt. Are you kidding me? Okay, I said the Raptors brass earned the benefit of the doubt mm. because of their draft history. And I don't know. Like, the championship they won two years ago. <laughs> Do you think the Toronto teams actually get it easy? Because I would pose to you that you could ask a lot of the players and the management on those teams and ask them if they get it easy. However, it was a specific reference of Vane and her son to the Toronto Raptors, the championship they won, and the ability they've had finding talent in the NBA draft. But I digress. Let's continue. Vane and her son, thank you very much for watching. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Vane okay. tweets in all the time. I <laughs> love got it. love. Love it. However, there. <laughs> Touched a little bit of a nerve. Fired up Roy Williams yeah. over here. Uh, okay, here we go. Week one of the NFL preseason is in the books. Yeah. And the big story of the weekend was quarterback debuts, first yes. round picks. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance all got their first taste of NFL action. How much can you read into what we saw from them, Timmy? Uh, Not a heck of a lot. I do think that there is some poise in your first start that you're looking to see from quarterbacks because um, you're under such a, a sharp focus all the time. And Trevor Lawrence was obviously the consensus number one overall pick. He has been the consensus number one overall pick basically since he was a junior in high school. And it was a bit of a tough start. Not necessarily the numbers, but he was sacked. He fumbled on the first play of the games. But he was also three of four in tight windows, according to NFL next-gen stats. And that was... Um, as good or better than any of the Jags quarterbacks in 2020. And that is the difference at this level. Can you make those throws? And he made a few of those throws. The one thing that's going to bug me here, and Mac Jones uh, looked good for the Patriots. Justin Fields looked good for the Bears. And I heard this yammering once again, oh, you can't start Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. Why the hell can't you? Let's go back in history. Let's name the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Tom Brady is the GOAT, right, Jesse? Correct. He carried a clipboard. Second best quarterback of all time, Joe Montana, carried a clipboard for the start of his career. Who's the best quarterback in the league right now? Patrick Mahomes. Carried a clipboard. Is Aaron Rodgers probably the second best quarterback in the league right Mm -hmm. now? He carried it for a long time. He carried a clipboard. Lamar Jackson, is he in and around that time? He carried a clipboard too. Yes, Mm. 
Andrew Luck didn't carry the clipboard. Yes, Peyton Manning walked in and was a star right away. Those are few and far between. If your team isn't ready to compete right bleeping now, it's and even if they are, like the Kansas City Chiefs were, it's probably good to let your quarterback see a few games from the outside looking in. All you have to do is look at history, and yet every single year we walk through this charade in the NFL. Patience. It's a virtue when it comes to starting quarterbacks. Agreed. Trey Lance, though, San Francisco, his 80-yard bomb, longer than any pass Jimmy Garoppolo has completed in his career. We'll talk CFL later, though. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start week one. Yeah, I agree. The San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance will be holding a clipboard. There you go. There's nothing wrong with it. (laughs) All right, we're going to talk a little CFL, as Jesse said, coming up. Lots of offense to talk about. Oh, yeah. Still to come, Dan Schulman talking Jays. And up next, Raptors and Canada basketball head coach Nick Nurse joins me in studio as we discuss the Raptors' busy offseason and what lies ahead. Plus, the Canadian men's experience in Victoria earlier this summer. An announcement next with Nick Nurse on Tim and Friends. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Haven't said that in a while. Back here for hour number two, right here on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Nick Nurse in studio in mere moments from now to discuss the Raptors offseason and a lot of Canadian basketball. Dan Schulman coming up in a little bit as we discuss the Jays weekend in Seattle as they salvage the finale and enjoy an off day today before, two, in fact, two off days this week for the Jays. They've got two in Washington starting tomorrow. Speaking of the Jays, Teoscar Hernandez has been named American League Player of the Week, making him the third straight Blue Jay to win the award after George Springer won it two straight weeks. Teo hit 500 with three bombs, 10 RBIs in seven games during the week. With the Jays off, it will be Angels and Yankees for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Garrett Cole will return from COVID to make his start for the Yankees. They still have four players on the COVID IL due to the Bronx Bombers. Jose Suarez starts for the Angels. To hockey in the Minnesota Wild have avoided arbitration with Kevin Fiala, signing him to a one-year deal, that's a bridge, worth $5.1 bucks. Fiala ranks second on the team with 20 goals, 43 points last season. He will be in RFA again after the season, still waiting on Kaprizov, though, in Minnesota. Predators have locked up goalie UC Soros to a four-year deal with a $5 million AAV. They have ordered arbitration as well. Preds get number one goalie set who uh, had a career best in goals against and save percentage last year, helping Nashville rally to make the playoffs, finished sixth in Vesna Trophy voting and 11th in Hart Trophy voting. Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse will now lead the men's national basketball team. Wiggins! We were looking for a coach with great leadership ability, experience in international FIBA play, experience in the NBA, 
with a demonstrated ability in leading championship teams. I'd like to introduce the new coach of our senior men's national team, Nick Nurse. And we've done pretty good at keeping in front, talking, and coming to help and rebounding. Keep it up, all right? Oh! I like what Leo Round said. The professor, Nick Nurse. Toronto's Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year for a reason, and one of the ways he really maximizes the potential of his basketball team is he keeps the other teams guessing. We've got to keep doing what we're doing. We've got to do it better at this end and tougher at that end. The golden age of Canadian basketball. For me, being a part of a gold medal would be bigger than the NBA championship. Oh, you know the old story, player from Iowa, player coach in England, Darby Ram, shout out, convince someone to buy a CBA franchise so that you can coach, become assistant in the league, then win an NBA title in your rookie year. Same old story that goes around time and again, yet somehow along the road, head coach of the Canadian men's team also became a part of the equation, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have a guest in the studio. Happier that it's Nick Nurse on the show today. Thank you so much for coming in and doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. How you doing? So I'm doing good. good, good. I'm doing really good. And right. this is, I said, thanks for coming in and doing this. Okay. I hear there is some breaking news, an exclusive announcement, if you will, about your future with the Canadian men's national team as you've signed an extension to stay on through 2024 yep. and the Paris games. Big time stuff. Tell me a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, really, really honored, as, as you know, to coach this team. Um, been, you know, since 2019. But here we are. We, we went to the Olympic qualifier, played pretty well, but we learned a lot of valuable lessons. And I think one of the things is continuity. So when they talked to me about what we're going to do next, I said, we're going all the way through the next one, if you'll have me. That's what I want to do because a little bit of unfinished business. Again, I thought we played great and we learned a lot. Ball bounced the wrong way on us a couple times. Um, but we're going to take some of the lessons. Well, we've already done it in the last month since we got knocked out. We're already making the road to Paris. Uh, well, we're starting in on it right now. So, so you lose to the Czech Republic in Victoria. Yep. You look around that room and think to yourself, I need to come back and take care of this? 100%. Yeah, yeah it didn't, didn't sit very well. And I, I'll be honest with you, that, I'm usually a get over it pretty quick type of coach and right. and get ready for the next one. This one it didn't sit very well with me. I lost a lot of sleep, which I don't normally do, and the wheels were turning pretty quickly um, afterwards to what we needed to do to fix it. So what do you need to do to fix it? Because I had a lot yeah. of people ask me what I thought yeah. happened in Victoria. Why not go to the source and ask you what well, happened and how do you fix it's it? It's a really good lesson that happened right in front of us versus the Czech Republic. I give them full credit and they very much deserve to go to the Olympics. Well, why? Well, that group's been together for a long time. That group finished uh, sixth in the world, ahead of the U.S., by the way, mm -hmm. and brought 10 of those 12 players to Victoria. The same guys. You look around at France, same guys. Australia, I mean, Spain. I mean, some of the, I coached in the 2012 Olympics, and there was the same guys from Spain and Australia that I coached against then, yeah. nine years later. Yeah. Now, we thought that was the first thing we needed to do. We right. needed to get the guys to commit to at least this three-year cycle. Right, and, and so those are the plans we've been putting in place. Um, I mean, listen, I'm happy to say that the, the ball's rolling, I think, positively with that. Lots of discussion, okay. way more than normal with these guys uh, since. You know, we're watching games on TV. Why is France so good? Why is this team so good? And right. the same theme kept coming up. 
they stay together, they play together. That's what we're trying to do here. It's funny, when I was, I, I don't know where you were when I talked to Mark Spears of ESPN and bet him on the American team, because I was, he's saying, how did, how did Canada lose? And I said, well, there's a bunch of things. There, there's hardly any continuity. Yep. Uh, Frankly, uh, they had some pretty good big men on the check, and, and we struggled in that area, yep. though Dwight Powell was That's unbelievable, yep. and I love him as a player. Yep. There were just too many and too often. And I said, the rest of the world is getting better, and he called BS on that. Yeah. And so I ended up betting him on whether or not the United States would win the gold. I mean, thank God for KD. He was pretty good, and they got through. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like... That's a big part of this, too. So that commitment that the rest of the world yeah. is getting better and there's no just walkovers with talent anymore. No, it's hard to overwhelm them because of, A, they get a style of play. You just mentioned the big guys. The big guys are much more much more of a factor in FIBA play, yeah. and most of them are going to run like three seven-footers at you, like the Czechs did. They, they go out there, and they play physical, and one gets run another one in, and he, get, he pounds on you for a while, and they run a third one in. And you already mentioned Dwight Powell, like the one thing we game-planned for and, and tried to protect Dwight as much as we could because we knew we needed him, yeah. but he still got in foul. You know, we ended up... We ended up playing a kind of a small ball lineup at the end. So we felt that physicality and size missing. Um, but again, I'll just circle back to the chemistry and connectivity and bonding that it takes to be really good at basketball right. is for real. And it's really for real in FIBA. And that's what we're trying to start building on. When, when you looked at the guys in the room after it was done, yep. did you feel that they felt the same way you did about the unfinished business? Because to be honest, you know, like I followed this program yep. for a long time. And in the past, the commitment from the NBA guys is tough for a variety of reasons, and I understand a lot of them. Yep. But do you feel like there is a buy-in from a lot of these guys at the highest level because you'll need them at the end? Yeah, I think, I mean, it hurt. Man, you yeah. know, these guys, uh, this, you know, each case is individual, but it hurt collectively and it hurt pretty bad. I think there was some guys really, um, really, really um, laying it out there for the team. And when that doesn't go well, it does hurt, obviously. Um, and, yeah, I think the, the sting is real. Um, only, again, because the, the aftermath of how much we've talked about what we need to do, the communication started flowing immediately and, and often. And, again, we, we did get a group of guys together. We identified the kind of guys we want to have as our core. And we had 11 guys in front of us recently, and we're just laying out the roadmap. Here's, here's next summer schedule. Here's when practice starts. Here's the summer after that. Here's the summer after that. This is what it looks like. Can you do it? And if you can't, fine. But if you can, this is what, this is what we're asking for. All three years, all three summers, and then maybe we can get where we want to go. And I know we will. If, if we get the buy-in and keep the team together, we'll reach our potential. I mentioned your road to get to one of the 30 jobs in the NBA, and it's not easy for anyone. Why is this important to you? Why is international basketball important to you while you still have one of those 30 jobs? Yeah, I mean, the national team basketball to me is such a pure form of basketball. Like the love and the, and the heart and the stuff that players play. And, I, you know, I've been involved with Great Britain for five years, 2000, as an assistant. I, I coached uh, in EuroLeague and EuroCup, and I was in the European scene. You know, there was a Final Four in Paris, I was there. If it was in Athens, I was there. You know, I was, I was in that FIBA world for a long time, and it's, it's different, but it's, it's neat. And yeah. national team basketball is super special. And 
I don't know, I feel like I'm really lucky to, to have the opportunity to, to lead a team with this much talent. And um, I don't know, it's a tremendous challenge and I wanna, I wanna keep knocking at the door a little bit and keep going. Where do you think the ceiling is? What do you mean? How, what, what can we do? Yeah. Well, my, go my goal is to, is to put a gold medal around, around those players' necks someday. Yeah. I mean, it's a task, right? It's a yeah. tall task of, well, it's the USA's gold medal. Right. Okay, you either got to accept that or you don't. Right. I mean, and then those other teams are really good. Zero disrespect for them, but we've got to find a way to bring our level of play up to beat them. I don't know. I said the same about the, uh, the women's soccer tournament at the Olympics, right? And Canada ended up taking gold in that one, and the United States hadn't lost in years. Uh, so next up is 2023 World Cup qualifying, which will once again fall on our depth dudes. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge is, and can you be there for all those steps, or are we going to have to delegate going into that as well? as we did qualifying for the previous tournament. Yeah, so it lines up pretty good. That's yeah. the one good thing about this is the schedule is going to get back on track here. So the biggest thing we have to deal with a lot is free agency. But that will go back to the beginning of July. These tournaments are in August. So everybody should be signed and, and ready to go, right? Like, like, again, that's why we laid all this out. We, we, we put all the dates out. We put them uh, lined up the NBA dates, free agency, the draft, all right. the things. Training camp starts here. Here's what it looks like. So we should have a much uh, greater advantage. But we've got to build a, a stronger culture like, you know, those, those countries have that these guys play almost no matter what. Right, almost no matter what. There's certainly life circumstances what come in there, but but the commitment to play is there and it's strong and there's a bond there, brotherhood, you know, between those guys, and that's what yeah. makes it so awesome. About playing for each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing when yeah. you get to that level. Listen, I, I have all the time in the world for Canada basketball and probably have talked about it more than any host in Canada. But do you mind if we switch over to the Raptors for yeah, a couple sure. questions? Yeah, no problem. Um I mean, I couldn't do this without asking you about it. It's been an interesting offseason. Yep. Masai is going to hold a press conference on Wednesday. Yep. Um, is he did, staying? Did, okay, he's staying. He's staying. We know that, we know that already. Right? Okay, did good. you have any doubts about his return? Uh, I think there's always a little bit of doubt. I, I don't, nah, not a lot. Like, again, um, he operated like he was always staying from my standpoint. Um, so I, uh, I'm glad he's staying, that's for sure. What do you think, like, this is... Two guys talking here. No one's yeah. watching. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think he's doing in 15 years? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Like, he just seems like he could do anything he damn well pleases. Yeah. And maybe that's me on the outside looking in. I don't really ask him what he's going <laughs> to do, but you're right. I think yeah. he could be... Uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I love having him I as get, a Raptors Can you get back president. to me on that one? I'll, yeah. Let me think about some <laughs> career right. choices for Masai. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let it marinate. Yeah, okay. uh, if he's, like, president of, like, a country, if he's president of Nigeria, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of this. He's like, first chat since Kyle Lowry took his talents to South Beach. Yeah. Um, how much will you miss the Bulldog? Oh, we're going to miss him. Yeah. I mean, we're going to miss him. I mean, you know, everything of his just um, swagger, intensity, fight. You know, that goes a long ways when that, when that ball goes up and that, that spreads to people. We're going to miss that. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a narrative change. And I know that you guys playing don't worry about crap like narratives. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't – you were an assistant coach with Kyle and DeMar. Mm -hmm. And whether it was here, whether it was south of the border, they can't get it done. They can't get it done when it matters most. Mm -hmm. do, do, do you laugh at that? how quickly that changed on Kyle Lowry and how he goes to 
Miami as yeah. like the ultimate winner? Like, how do you look at his time in Toronto where he goes from splitting time to where he ended up? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I certainly don't laugh at it because it was a hard road for him to do it. Right, I think I think maybe I might laugh at people's uh, perceptions of how easy it's supposed to be to just show up and start winning in the playoffs and and keep scoring 20 points a game. You know what right. I mean? So that part of it, I'm glad he was able to work through. I mean, but listen, you know, he won a gold medal, he's won a championship, he's six-time All-Star, and that for me is like, you know, it's an awesome story of a guy that just throws everything he has into a game when the ball goes up. Throws everything into the offseason. He's in, you know, works in incredible shape at his game, at his craft, at his skill, at his body, at his diet, at his, you know, um, and a lot of things are possible. I've been in this game for like 20 years, and I try and st- I actually try to study uh, what happens when you win. And oftentimes, what happens when you win is that your best players set a tone for you. And if your best players are doing that, then the rest have to fall in line. Is that something you'll have to replace with Kyle out? Well, certainly. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I also feel really good about, you know, Fred's a lot of that same makeup, right? I, I think that you got some guys, OG and Pascal, that, that'll play both ends and can play it really well. And, and like, that's not that easy to do in this league these days, right? Yeah. To get a bunch of guys that care about both ends, we just drafted Scotty Barnes, and you're already seeing him. He, he like, wants to guard people. Right. Like, you know, that might be a reason we drafted him. Right. He, he's, he's big and long and athletic, and he wants to play that end. Um, so I think there, that'll, that'll come. We, we certainly can't take away from what Kyle brings. I mean, when they put the statue up of Kyle outside the arena, it's going to be of him taking a charge. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's got to be, right? Because ah. everybody will walk by there and say, man, remember that dude taking all those charges? Right. right? So, uh, you know, we'll certainly miss some of that. Does Fred just slot in? At one, do you know that yet? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then can you Fred's play Malachi? Fred's big time. Yeah. yeah. So does Malachi work in? Like, how do you, how do you look at this team? Well, I think Malachi's having a great summer and he's getting better. Um, you know, we got Dragic too. Right. Right. Um, I don't know until I see everybody together a little bit. Right. But I would say, you know, I would say if we had to write it out on paper, Fred would be there, Dragic coming off the bench, or maybe Dragic will be so good that he has to, you know, kind of like Fred did. He was so good he had to start play. too. Right. You know, who knows? You know me. I, geez. If I do one <laughs> thing on game one, it'll probably be different on game two anyway, right? Uh, <laughs> you brought up Scotty Barnes, and I know yeah. a lot of people were chomping at the bit because they felt like, you guys should have drafted Jalen Suggs in that spot. Mm-hmm. What have you seen from Scotty in summer league, and what did you see before the pick was made that thought made you think that this was the right spot too? And well, I know that you're not yeah. necessarily no, the guy who picks him. Yeah, first of all, um, you know Suggs is really good, and he's going to be really good, and he's going to have some big games this year. He's a, he's a hell of a player. Again, we just thought we needed for our team right now uh, some more size. You know, he's a versatile wing that can kind of almost play. He can bring it as a point guard and pass it, as you've seen. He can, he can probably guard centers because he's, you know, pushing 6'10 already and he's got a body. So right. he, he can guard, you know, all the way through. You know, he's got, he's got a long way to go, right? He needs the skill needs to improve in the scoring and some of those things. But he's got a infectious attitude. He's got a work ethic. Um, like I already mentioned, he's going to play both ends. And, right. you know, that's kind of how we want to build it. And that's kind of how we landed there. All right, before I let you go, um, you, I know of two passions. I'm sure you have a bunch more. Music yep. and golf. Yep. 
Have you been able to fit in any of that during what has been the shortest offseason in NBA history? Yeah. And you're also coaching Canada's team through 2024, if you haven't yeah. heard. Exclusive news here on yeah. Tim and Friends. Um, the golf is a lot harder to do. I've been <laughs> in a lot of bubbles and in my hotel room a lot. And yeah. But the music's always there. I got the, you know, the keyboard and the guitar with me, one or two, and been playing some, yeah. Did uh, I, I may have seen something, and we may be playing it right now, of you and the Arkells. Um, did you get back from Summer League in time to hang out with uh, your guy, Max? I did. I did. I was out there sign, uh, sound check yesterday. Everybody was gone. They went to take their naps. And I said, come on, Max, <laughs> let's jam a little bit. Playing a little quitting you on the keys there. Ah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, listen, I, I swear I could talk basketball for a long time with you. I really appreciate you coming by and, and sharing this news about Canada basketball and sharing your view about Canada basketball because I think it's important. And I think that having people who are committed to the program takes it to that next level. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're trying to grow the game, and there's just so much talent coming up. Yeah. You know, the under-19 team just won the bronze. I mean, there's so much happening, and we feel like we got to grow the game. And, jeez, and, I love it. Seriously, I love it. I, you know, I, I, love, I love trying to build it. Love the, the dream about what we can do with it, you know, at the highest level. Yeah, you can tell. And, yep, and then we go to work. You can tell. Uh, thanks for doing this. Much okay. appreciated. Yeah, thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Nurse. Time for a quick break here on Tim and Friends. Danny Shulman joins us to discuss the Jays. They're in the playoff chase, but it was a rough weekend. Plus, your reaction and feedback to that conversation and more as Tim and Friends rolls on. Back after a three-week hiatus, this is Tim and Friends. I am Tim McAuliffe. Jesse Rubinoff sitting over there combing through your tweets and interactions on Instagram. Danny Shulman's going to join us in mere moments from now. If you missed it, some exclusive news here on Tim and Friends. Nick Nurse has re-upped with Canada Basketball and will return through the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. And hopefully Canada will be a part Yeah. Of Paris. That would be nice. That would be nice. Some responses to that segment. Ian writes in, I love Nick Nurse. Watching him on Tim and Friends just cements that. You can just tell the guy loves coaching the national team and coaching in Canada with the Raps. And I actually mentioned to you uh, during that uh, or afterwards during the break, uh, he looked really comfortable there. Yeah. And it's, he, he's just, he seems like he's such a good communicator and he just seems like someone who radiates positivity and I know there, there have been rumors that he can be hard on players, but he just seems like a guy that you want to you wanna play for yeah. because he brings that positive vibe. He brings that comfort level. Speaking of that, I should have asked about Pascal Siakam. My bad. Slap on the hand. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a conversation, you forget things. I did forget bringing up Pascal Siakam. Yeah, the news, the, the news today that he is likely going to be staying, that Masai has told Pascal Siakam's camp that they're no longer listening to offers uh, of trading Pascal Siakam. Uh, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I thought I thought the Scotty Barnes may have been the start of the end of Pascal I Siakam. I don't think you were alone yeah. in that. Yeah, that was that was the talk on Twitter afterwards. Okay, so, uh, Stephen says great segment with Coach Nurse. Couldn't be a better fit for Team Canada. Cody says there needs to be a heritage moment about <laughs> Nurse for what he did. For Canada. Now, there were some uh, other interesting takes on the other side of the nurse mm -hmm. hiring or staying with Team Canada to 2024. B-Chap says, did Canada make the Olympics with the second most NBA players on the team? Is the bar set so low now you can get rewarded 
for failure, uh, which is a, a different this, take. This, I know. You know what? I I, uh, I just dropped my microphone. I'm just going to pick it up and not <laughs> try and be awkward about it. But maybe you heard it, so I'm just going to reference it because you guys are in on the show. Uh, I don't listen. I understand this one. I understand there are people asking if they were rewarded for failure. And I am as big a proponent of Canadian basketball as there is, and that includes Canadian basketball coaches. We have a lot of great coaches in this country, and we had this inferiority complex that I thought we may have lost when Canadian basketball players started achieving at the highest level. But I think we still have it when it comes to Canadian coaches. Like Dave Smart is as good a coach as there is on planet Earth, and I'm shocked that more people don't recognize that. Mm -hmm. That said, there is a continuity you need in programs like this, and that's what Nick Nurse in Canada basketball were talking about. And if Nick Nurse helps bring in the NBA players who want to go back at it because they were pissed off about what happened against the Czech Republic, I'm all for it. And what happened against the Czech Republic happened in part because they couldn't play exhibition games together. They were expected to win four straight games and qualify for the Olympics without having played together. And that's a lot harder than people are making this out to be. So that failure to me isn't as, even though it's a failure, isn't as colossal as a lot of people are making it out to be, including Mark Spears, and that's why it cost me two bottles of wine. Oh, did you end up sending those bottles of wine to him? I have them at home. I was told I need an affidavit to send wine to the United States <laughs> right now. Doesn't seem worth it at this juncture. Yeah, I got I to gotta <laughs> do a little bit more research on that Okay, figure so hold out. On. Was but the I trip... do have, I, I can take a picture. I do have the two bottles of wine. Was the trip to Niagara because you wanted some time with the family, or was it specifically to go get the bottles of wine for Spearsy? No, I, I took the trip up to, Ni to Niagara before oh, okay. the United States won the gold medal. But I was, have you ever lost a bet and been right? Like, I was right on that argument. My argument was the rest of the world is better. The states just can't blow everyone out with their talent anymore. Like, that was my argument. I think that was, that was pretty evident in the results. Yeah, close games against Australia, against France. They lost, like... I wasn't way off on that. No, uh, but did you see the but reaction from from Kevin Durant and Draymond Green after in that Instagram video of them just talking talking smack that, to everyone who yeah. basically? But people said they were going to lose. Yes, and they responded the way they want. They the, want the freezing cold takes Twitter account had an absolute field day after. I'm a big fan of the freezing yes. cold oh, takes, even though so I'm a part of the takes. Well, yeah, I mean you have to have takes. That's part of the job. But right. I don't. I haven't seen you on freezing cold takes. Uh, I don't know. I know Sid made last it. Little while. I don't know if I've made. I I may have made it. Hopefully, I didn't just put them on notice to be. Yeah, looking out for you Uncle now. Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more um, through my old tweet. <laughs> one more piece of news that I want to get to before the break. Uh, it appears that PSG might have their eyes on Cristiano Ronaldo. This is crazy. To be on the the squad or the side in 2022. Don't this after him? getting Lionel Messi. Messi. And don't they have Mbappe? So the deal is, uh, I believe Real has made a bid for Mbappe. They would accept the bid for Mbappe, freeing up a spot, and the replacement would be Cristiano Ronaldo. Those are the rumors we, that are okay, on the me, Twitter sphere right now. Let me ask even the most staunch Portuguese supporter, if you had a choice right now, put this in the poll, between Mbappe and Ronaldo, at this juncture, at this age, who do you take? Because that... That, to me, is remarkably interesting. Now, having Messi and Ronaldo on the same team is like 
an advertiser's wet dream. It's, like a, it's a fan's dream. I, I like a understand what it is, but for a football team, would you rather have Ronaldo at this age paired with Messi or Mbappe paired with Messi? All right. Since we were uh, last on the air, the Jays returned home to the Toronto. They traded for Jose Barrios. Among others, they had a great homestand. Now a little bit of a rocky road trip, and George Springer gets hurt. We sum that up three weeks. That's a lot. We'll dissect that and maybe a little Nick Nurse. The one and only Dan Schulman next in Tim and Friends. Plus the results of that poll. Ronaldo or Mbappe? I don't know that there's any series in baseball where more visiting fans show up than when the Blue Jays are in Seattle. Pops it up, down the line, and caught by France. And the runner coming home and safe at the plate. Well, I tell you, that's too close yeah. to turn over. He's out. Oh, wow. And they overturn the call. Not close, and that's the ball game. Wow, what a tough loss for the Blue Jays. Drives the ball to center field, and it's off the wall. Springer is down. The concern will be with George Springer. Hopefully, this is nothing too serious. And a high fly ball hit to deep left, and gone. Another very tough night for the Blue Jays. Teoscar gets into one, and it is gone. Teoscar steps up big time, and now Dickerson charges one. Out to deep right field, turning around Hanniger, and it is gone! Good news for the Blue Jays, the bats have come around. The Blue Jays pick up a win in the final game of the series in Seattle. Wanted to talk Blue Jays and maybe follow up that conversation with Nick Nurse a wee bit. And who better to do that than my next guest, Danny Schulman, who calls both the Jays and basketball on the regular and joins me now from the uh, the 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 Schulman Estates, we'll call it, in the greater <laughs> Toronto area. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I wouldn't call it an estate, but it's a nice, I, I, I have a nice home office set up here, you know, some bobbleheads here and some stuff there. So we're all good. Good to see you. Uh, you do work in some American television, so people would believe that the estates part was part of this equation. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the Nick Nurse returning to Canada basketball through the 2024 games as, as I, I think it's safe to call you a supporter of Canadian basketball. Were you surprised by this? I was hopeful he would do it, but I didn't know. That was my biggest concern after Victoria was, A, them not making it, and B, would Nick Nurse say, you know what, I gave it my best, but it didn't work out, and, and you know, I've only got so many, uh, so much time and so much energy and so many hours in the day. I'm thrilled he's doing it. I think this is the absolute best news in the world for Canada basketball, and I watched his interview that you just did with him, and, and I love, I, I kind of love the attitude. Uh, you know, if you want in, you, you got to be in. That's the difference. That's what makes France France, and the checks, the checks, and et cetera. Um, you know, and this has a chance to be something special. Um, if not, check back in 2025. Now, as Nick said, there will be some extenuating circumstances, but the difference is not talent. The difference is commitment. And you know, guys like Evan Fournier and Patty Mills played for their country, even though they were free agents. And um, you know, some guys were injured. And I understand if you're a free agent, it, it's difficult. You know, I was there at the game when Kelly Olynyk hurt himself before uh, a couple of months before China, before the World Cup. And you, you know, that's got to be in the back of your mind. And, and but I'm really hoping that um, Nick Nurse coming back and the, you know, if he's all in. 
let's get as many of these guys all in as possible because it's not going to be an easy job, but it is a doable job if enough of the players commit, and I, I'm hopeful that's the case. It's it's really interesting when you when you break down what this team could be, should be, uh, and has been, and. That's the part of the equation that I'm not sure enough people point to is that, listen, we, we all understand and I have given the benefit of the doubt to a lot of players who have been in tough situations along the way. But if, if you want that, um, you know, the cookie at the end, sometimes you've got to uh, put in the sacrifice. And I think that's basically the difference. It's just a question of how much does it mean to you? And and uh, for whatever reason, whether it's South America, Europe, Australia, it, it, they grow up in this environment. Soccer. They grow up Soccer. understanding FIBA, aspiring to play international ball. You know, I watched Patty Mills and Joe Ingles hug at the end of the bronze medal game. You know, did the bronze medal game during the Olympics. Yeah. Saw the emotion on the face of Patty Mills and Joe Ingles as they brought a medal home to Australia for the first time in men's basketball history. It was the culmination of a decade of blood, sweat, and tears. Right. That's what you need to do it. That's what France has. That's what Australia has. That's what Argentina has had. What can Canada be? They can be right there. Like, like let's not kid ourselves. Um, are, are they as talented as the United States? No, nobody is. But can they be in the conversation to beat anybody else in the world? Absolutely. And on their best day, could they give the U.S. a run for their money with their best talent? Absolutely. But what Canada can be is good enough to beat anybody else in the world fair and square if they get the buy-in. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot calling all of these games in Victoria and then the Tokyo games, uh, which were called from Toronto. Um, buy-in is at least as big as talent. And the, the talent is there. They're not going to get everybody. But if we remember, go back before the pandemic, Jamal Murray said he was in. Shea Gilgis yeah. Alexander said he was in. They've got a great core. If they get Wiggins and Barrett and Dort and Alexander Walker and Powell back, that fivesome is great. Can they get Murray? Can they get Gilgis Alexander? Can they get Olenek? Can they get Birch? Uh, some of it, again, will have to do with timing and so forth. And everybody understands these guys have other uh, other concerns and personal lives and that sort of thing. But if, it, you know, I, I'm hoping that what the players feel is, man, I don't want to miss out on something pretty special. I better be there. Yeah, I know that you sat beside uh, uh, Javon Shepard throughout, and he felt like that was building that that brotherhood was building through those yeah. Olympic qualifying games, and the one thing that I, I point to that might be the difference between, you know, France, even Australia, but Argentina is that soccer culture where you see the you know the greatest players in the game showing up repeatedly for country because the World Cup means that much to their country. Yeah, it, it, and again, those players have grown up in a, in a different environment than American and Canadian players have. Um, and the FIBA schedule has hurt Canada, I think. There's a little bit of bad luck there with some of the windows and so forth. But I love when Nick Nurse said to you, we've laid out the next three summers. We've given them the yeah. schedule. We've explained the commitment to them. There are no surprises. Um, they've got to do enough to qualify for the World Cup in 2023. And then they've either got to do well enough there to directly qualify for the Olympics or win one of the last chance tournaments that we all dread, yes. uh, you know, a few weeks before the Olympics. The the easier way might be to do it through the World Cup, but they got to get to the World Cup. And to get to the World Cup, enough of the best players have to do well in the America Cup next year. It's this really, you know, layered, tiered system. But, but you're right. They didn't grow up in that system. But I, I would like to believe 
that what they experienced in Tampa and Vancouver, uh, Victoria, excuse me, even though they ultimately lost in Victoria, I would like to believe that it brought those players together. And I would like to believe that those players texted other players and said, man, you, sh you should be here. And to me, the best thing other than Nick Nurse signing up again was the Andrew Wiggins tweet shortly after Victoria saying it was an honor to play for my country and we're headed in the right direction. That That's pretty good. Um, uh, Wiggins being in is big. Uh, you know, they, I, again, it comes down to Gilgis Alexander, Murray, Olenek, Birch. They're, they're really good at the two, three, and four. They needed a little more at the one and the five, right? there. Um, uh, obviously, Corey Joseph still has a role on this team, but if you can get Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander, now you're really cooking. So um, th this was great news. I, I didn't know this was coming, and I was thrilled when I saw it. Uh, that, that is a great backcourt. All right, uh, we can't have Dan Schulman on and not talk a little Blue Jays baseball. After the homestand ends... And nine and two looks. I, I felt like there were vibes from 2015 percolating with this team once again, where we're you're, you're sitting in the middle of the standings, but you feel a run coming. Then Seattle happens, and when George Springer gets hurt and you lose that game, there was a lot of different feelings on Twitter. Uh, sometimes the truth is in the middle. Is it here? I think the truth is in the middle. Yeah, um, they're really good. Uh, you know, right now on paper, and, and this is kind of like the Canada basketball thing on paper. But on paper, how many more? How many teams in the American League more talented than the Blue Jays right now? Um, I think the White Sox are. I think the Astros probably are because they've been through a lot of winning together in addition to the talent that they are. I don't know if anybody else is more talented than them in the American League. Now, that's it's great on paper, but how do you get there? One is they've dug themselves a bit of a hole. Like the standings are a thing. They're four and a half out with 45 to go, and they got to climb past two teams to get in. Uh, they're good enough to do it. If they start hitting a little bit more late in games and close games, and if the bullpen pitches a little bit better and, and the bullpen has currently constructed to me is still uh, a bit of a concern. Now, if Mesa comes back and if Soria comes back and if Pearson comes back and if Hatch comes up in whatever role, those are four pretty good arms. And I, I think that can be a real boost. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, but the Red Sox and the Yankees and the A's and the Rays are all, are all good teams as well. They're going to be a couple of good teams who aren't going to go to the playoffs this year. And, uh, unfortunately for the Blue Jays, they'll have to outplay a few of them down the stretch because of what the standings look like right now. You know, it's funny when uh, when the Jays signed George Springer, a lot of Blue Jays fans on Twitter went to who are they trading? And the name that probably came up the most was Randall Grichuk. And where would they be this year without Randall Grichuk? Yeah, I, I mean, he's been, uh, I think he's kind of been his typical self. You know, he's going to hit about 250, hit 25 to 30 homers, OPS, 747.50. You know, Randall um, is not a star, but he's a very solid, dependable, reliable player who filled in in center field when Springer was out and plays in a really nice right field. I actually thought Guriel might be the guy that, that would get traded mm -hmm. when they when they signed Springer, if they were going to trade anybody, that Gritchick plays right and Teoscar plays left. Um, but Gritchick's been important. You can put him in the lineup every day. You can play him at two different spots. You know you're going to get some hot streaks and some cold streaks, but at the end of the year, you're going to look up and you know what the numbers are. Um, and, and that's great. Hopefully Springer is not out too long. You know, it's everybody's cautiously optimistic. Maybe it'll just be a few days. It sure didn't look good when it happened. Um, the lineup should be plenty good enough. The starting rotation should be plenty good enough. Uh, again, it's when they get into those close games, can they add on a little bit to their lead? 
And can the bullpen protect their lead? And, and right now it's Richards and it's Simber and it's Romano. And I think, you know, those are all three obviously quality guys and pretty dependable guys. But um, I think, Tim, by September 1st, uh, I think you might see four changes um, on, on the pitching staff. You know, the rosters will expand a little. You can add a couple of extra players. And hopefully Pearson is healthy and can help. Hopefully Sori is healthy. Hopefully, May, a lot of hopefullys here. Mesa comes back. Three, you know, three trusted relievers are not enough these days. It's not enough. You need five, six, seven trusted relievers to really get on a roll. Uh, without a doubt. Before we let you go, uh, a member of the Toronto Blue Jays has now captured the AL Player of the Week in three straight weeks for the first time since May of 1983. Teoscar Hernandez follows back-to-back for George Springer. It is. I know you guys brought this up in the broadcast yesterday. I was watching, so I'm not acting out of ignorance, but he's kind of been overlooked, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Silver Slugger last year, All-Star this year. And since the begin, since the middle of 2019, when he came back from the minors, it's hard to believe it was only two years ago, right? When they sent him down, when he came back in the middle of 2019, since then, he's probably been one of the 20 best offensive players in baseball over a two-year period. Um, I came into this year thinking there were still a number of things about a number of players the Blue Jays needed to find out, even though they wanted to contend that it was still kind of an information gathering year as well. I think. Mm-hmm. I think we've all gathered, and the Blue Jays should feel they've gathered enough information about Teoscar Hernandez to know what he is. Sign that man. Like, let, let, let's let keep him in Toronto beyond when he's eligible to be a free agent, which I think is two years from now. He can play right and left. Um, he's a great person. He's a core part of that clubhouse, and he can hit for power, hit for average. You know, he's never going to win a gold glove, but his defense is better than it used to be. And uh, we all love the positive vibes that he brings each and every day. So, yes, he's been underappreciated probably around the United States. People don't really know nearly enough about him. He's He's been an all-star caliber player. He, you know, had there been an all-star game last year, he'd have been in that one, right? Yeah. He's been an all-star caliber player for a couple of years now, and I hope the Blue Jays lock him up. Uh, I know it's a day off, so thank you very much. It is appreciated. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime, Tim. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. There is uh, Dan Shulman from the Shulman eh, kind of estates in the greater Toronto area. By the way, I repeat, one of the 20 best offensive players in baseball, Teoscar Hernandez. And he's right. Time for one last break. We'll get to last call next. Poutine in the Stanley Cup. We will discuss Matthew Joseph next right here on Tim and Friends. I may be biased on our Monday tip of the cap, which goes to Diamondbacks pitcher Taylor Gilbert. Um, I may be biased because I mentioned how much I was watching my son play baseball. He no-hit the Padres on Saturday night in his first major league start, which is incredible. Even more incredible, his dad was in attendance. It was only Gilbert's fourth major league appearance and the 27-year-old became only the fourth pitcher ever to throw a no-hitter in his first start and the first in almost 70 years. He's also the eighth no-hitter in the majors this season, setting a single-season record. But to see how jacked and then emotional his dad was in the stands watching that was every father's dream to see their kid boy or girl, succeed in their chosen craft. And here he was in his first major league start 
a no-hitter. It was amazing. That's why sports is so great. Yep. And the random Saturday night Padres and Diamondbacks, <laughs> yes. and you get history. Yeah. That's why we all watch. We want to see something that we haven't seen before or very rarely see, and that's what we got from Tyler Gilbert. True story. My wife's not a huge sports fan. And every once in a while, she'll be like, hey, you said you are going to do blank. I'm like, hold, just give me one more second. Mm. History's happening. And she'll say, do you know how often you say that to me? You said that last night. You say that to me all the time. And I'm like, well, this is a prime example. It was really hard. It's hard during the Olympics because it's literally like this is this. You got to watch the DeGrasse races. You got to watch the Petty Alexiak races because it's history happening right here. Alexiak's about to become the most decorated Canadian Olympian. Uh, Okay. swear to God, this is history. You said that to me yesterday. 2,500. Sound like 25,000, swear to God? Swear to God, yeah. Uh, okay, let's do last call. All right. Let's do it. Let's start with Tampa Bay Lightning forward Matthew Joseph, who had his day with the Stanley Cup on Sunday. Joseph took it to his hometown of Montreal North, where he ate poutine out of the cup. What's the one food or drink you would want to consume out of the cup, Timmy? That's disrespectful. Uh, poutine's pretty good. Uh, a lot of people, by the way, Calm down on the disrespect of the Stanley Cup stuff. Like, if you've never seen the Stanley Cup before, then I understand you may think that's disrespect. If you've ever seen anyone ever celebrate with the Cup, people do things like this. I I believe my good friend Cabral Richards, a.k.a. Cabby on the street, once uh, ate, ate either Fruit Loops or Captain Crunch out of the cup, and as the greatest cereal ever made, Captain Crunch is my answer on what I would like to eat out of the cup. And let's be honest, we would need our friend Phil Pritchard to completely sanitize that cup before you eat, which he does all the time, which the two keepers of the cup do all the time, because that thing has seen some disgusting places. It was Cabby and Mike Richards who ate Captain Crunch. Was it Captain Crunch? I got producer Thomas Dobby. Thank you very much for that. I'm with you. I would have cereal. Cereal. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Cheerios. Well, first, I mean, it seems on. like boring, well, but... First, an alcohol. Yes. Champagne and or beer, whatever your choice is. That happens, like, immediately, though. Immediately. This and is, then, like, on your day right. where you have it, right? And you take it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. And you eat something out of it. By the way, were those real cheese curds in Matthew Joseph's poutine? No. Sebi, look at them. They look like they're massive cheese curds. Like, they're huge. Like, they look like they are full-blown, like, inch by two-inch curds. Those are, that's, a, that's a big curd, Matthew Joseph. Oh, it does look good. It does look good. I committed a faux pas now that we're talking about poutine. I, I went to Quebec and I didn't have poutine. I'm sorry, Sebi. I saw I saw his face. Real saw, the eyes went up. You know how my eyebrows sometimes go like that? Yeah. I saw his, yeah. yeah. It's my bad. It's Real my bad. poutine is also different than just poutine. Yes. Like, you've got to have curds. Yeah. Which Matthew Joseph Which apparently I did. And giant I, curds. Yeah, I will have to next time I go back to Quebec. Uh, the eyebrows were up because of the poutine and because of the rumors swirling around Cristiano <laughs> Ronaldo what is and this? his future. A Spanish what is this? TV show. We uh, talked about this a couple blocks ago, but in case you missed it, teasing bombshell news regarding the Portuguese superstar on tonight's show. Ronaldo has one year remaining on his contract with Juventus, but he's been linked to his former clubs, Manchester United and Real Madrid. And now some are suggesting he could be headed to Paris Saint-Germain with Kylian Mbappe being shipped out to Real Madrid. PSG couldn't possibly, possibly add both Messi and Ronaldo in the same transfer window. Could they? No. Like right now, it seems... 
almost unfathomable that they could pull this off, one, and two, that they would give up killing Mbappe to do it. Like, Mbappe's, what, 22 years old? Like, this is insane. Like, he might be the greatest player on planet Earth right now, and he's like 22. He's 22 years old, and Ronaldo's 36 years old. You think that, I guess they could make that much money. It's like, money. imagine the jersey sales. And don't forget, they're a Jordan brand company, PSG. Like, they run Jordan yeah. brand through the jerseys. So they're already selling a bleep load of jerseys. And if you got Ronaldo in that Jordan brand jersey, man, it would sell unbelievably. But on the pitch, it's a soft now. And it might even go to Mbappe. We put the poll out there. Would, would you rather have on your team for the next couple of seasons, Kylian Mbappe, 22 years old, or Cristiano Ronaldo, 36 years old. We're over 1,100 votes already, mm-hmm. and Mbappe, 67%. Like, on the pitch, I don't think this is close. But as Wu-Tang Clan once taught me, cash rules everything around me, and maybe even paying for Ronaldo would pay. That's why... Messi got, what, over $100 million a year? A little bit of cash. <laughs> just a little bit. At Barcelona? There are rumors that Mbappe does want out of PSG, which could add a little bit of a wrinkle to this yeah. saga. But we will see how it plays out because that would be even, fun for sports fans. They, and they didn't even fans win last year. Lille won. Shout yeah. out Jonathan David at Ligue 1. Uh, Yvonne writes in quickly um, can he, to the poll question. Can either of them play defense to compensate for losing Weber? <laughs> no, no. They no, can't. They definitely cannot. Okay. CFL. Uh, it's been an unpredictable start to the CFL season with projected Great Cup contenders Hamilton, Calgary, and Edmonton all off to 0 2 starts. What has been the least surprising part of the start to the CFL that, season? That, that it's unpredictable. Anyone who thought that the start of this season was going to be predictable in any way, shape, or form had lost their mind. They hadn't played in a year. There was no preseason, and that's why the offenses suck. There's an old saying in the CFL that nothing starts until Labor Day. Double that this year. Like, this this season will be the most unpredictable season in history, and we are going to see a team come out of nowhere and end up either in the Grey Cup or Grey Cup champions. None of this is a surprise when you have a year off and you have no preseason. And anyone shocked by this is a rookie. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to be normal when four dudes tore their ACLs on yeah. day one of training camp. Yeah, they're Achilles. Worse <laughs> than Achilles. the ACL. Yeah, it was the Achilles. Yeah, right. All right, that does it for us in our return show. Up next, Angels and Yankees on Sportsnet. Sportsnet Radio will take you in a different direction, but we'll be back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, all platforms, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for watching. Listen.